0: Hello, and welcome to the C21 Podcast. My name's Nico Franks. We hope you're safe and well, staying positive and testing negative. Today, we hear from two of the co-founders of Auckland-based animation studio MuckPuddy, who, with the pandemic under control in New Zealand, are back at their desks and are looking to get their adaptation of a classic Spike Milligan story off the ground with international partners. Plus, another Kiwi, Harry Sinclair the director and writer of globetrotting preschool series and Lou, who speaks to us from L.A., where he tells us about his journey from cult musician to working in kids' TV, the challenges of tall poppy syndrome, and being a comedy uncle to Flight of the Conchords. Muckbuddy <music> Muck Animation has grown from its basement origins to a huge studio in Auckland, employing around 50 members of staff and developing its own IP, such as the Barefoot Bandits and recent spin-off, The Adventures of Tumeki Space. I visited two of the co-founders, Alex Layton and Ryan Cooper, at their studio to talk about the process of bringing their team back into the office after lockdown, the challenges of the New Zealand broadcasting system, and their plans to turn Spike Milligan's Bad Jelly the Witch into an animated series. First, here's Ryan Cooper. Um,
1: yeah, I guess we were, the first lockdown, we were pretty much all at home for eight weeks yeah um the dates get real blurry yeah because it was four and then extended to six and then then we had two weeks of a lower level so it was like eight or nine weeks and then people kind of trickled back in there was still a level of nerves amongst the crew so we really didn't force the issue too much it was like you know people already you know people's mental health was already somewhat frayed um so it was kind of like do what's best for you um And that that became a different part of the business for us that we would never dealt with was, you know, we'd always, people's mental health was always incredibly important to us. But this was different. You know, this was making sure people were okay from a distance and making sure people who needed to be around other people were doing okay. You know, some people thrived because, you know, artists can be quite introverted. So you put them in their own room and close the door (laughs) and they're like, this is what I want other people feed off the energy of other artists so yeah all of a sudden we kind of had to figure out who those people were and making sure everyone was okay so yeah coming back into the studio it's been a slow process um you know some people still we've always been fairly flexible like you know here's the work you have to do we don't care how you get it done whether you come in late and stay late or come in early and leave early or take a day off here and do an extra day here Um, But yeah, as far as people returning back to how work used to be, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I'd say it's kind of Mm -hmm. 50-50. We still have people who are quite, who prefer to stay at home. I've heard of other businesses that have, um, that all of a a sudden went, you know what, we can just do this remotely. This is how business, Mm -hmm. and they're starting to find a bunch of their employees are like, I'm kind of lonely you know I think you, people really underestimate yeah, like uh, it's nice to think oh, I could just wake up I'm already at work get my work done
0: mm-hmm. and sometimes
1: that is great but other times you're like oh, I just need mm-hmm. I need the creative energy of other people around me or just to be able to vent to someone else or be able to you know I think mean, people underestimate
2: how uh, therapeutic being around other people can be. And um, animation as an art form is yeah. quite technical yeah. you know and there's, there is benefit in you're struggling with a scene asking someone that's maybe your senior or someone you just work well with yo what how would you approach this or and you know yeah so again just that that vibe so
1: easy to get lost in your own work so being able to be around other people who you can just say <laughs> you know can you ever look at this with fresh eyes um, you know and that that does disappear when you kind of are all working remotely <laughs> yeah
0: so, yeah and i suppose new zealand is geographically located in a very interesting area in terms of where you're close to, you could, you know, lots of potential partners in Asia, mm-hmm. quite a, a, a kind of comfortable um, time zone kind of similarity with LA. Does that help? Is that, are they, is that opening business doors? Um, yeah, we,
1: to be honest, we've been so kind of down, heads down, bums up in our own little world for so long that it's only recently we're really reaching out and trying to establish those um, connections. And yeah, but it does seem, it does seem to put us in good stead for that sort of stuff. LA has always been a good one. Like um, at the moment we're dealing with guys in Tennessee, even that's not too much of a pain, you know, generally if we have Mm. our meetings in the morning, they've got there in the afternoon and Mm. it's, you know, still within the same workday essentially.
0: yeah, but a different day. But a different day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: New Zealand will always be the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I Asia is something haven't we haven't so really tapped into. Anymore. So that's, but it's not off the cards. But we um, yeah, our, our dealings have mainly been UK, kind of Australia and um, America recently. So yeah, we're hoping with the project we have going in America that that's kind of a bit of a foot in the door there. Cause that's, a, that's a that's a tough nut to crack. You know, you're, they've, they've, you know, it's kind of like music, I guess, in the same way. They've, they've kind of got all their genres covered, and they've got all their musicians, and they've got all their. So, you know, when you turn up and go, "What about us from down the bottom of the world?" You kind of really got to stand out. So, yeah, they've yeah. always been very, very open to us, which has been great.
0: So, tell me about the development slate. Like, so, projects that you're you're actively developing.
2: One of the big ones is the oh, is yeah, Bear Jelly the Witch. Yeah, so for the weeks. last four years, yeah. um, we
1: have been trying to get the rights to Bad Jelly the Witch on and off here and there, just, it kept coming back to us that it was something we really wanted to do. So we had reached out to the Milligan family, um, and yeah, it was, it was a little slow going, um, uh, because the person who was dealing with, uh, Spike Milligan's with, like, the licensing of all his stuff was quite old she was she was in the 80s super lovely but communication was very very slow so that kind of um made things a little bit more painful so if if other projects came along we basically forgot about that and moved on um wasn't until start of last year um I think it was the start of last year eh yeah uh, <laughs> before I think was it think so, so. Uh, um a Kiwi f- living in the UK uh took over because sadly she passed away so he took over the um, licensing of all bad jelly and spike milligan uh, audio stuff and he was like i hear you guys are really interested in this property bad jelly the witch um i'm going to be in new zealand let's catch up so we did and before we knew it he was presenting our case to the milligan family they loved it and they yeah they they let us have the rights to bad jelly the witch so yeah um COVID obviously put the brakes on that for a moment but we are starting to get to have to get some progress with with a with a series we've, we've kind of swapped back and forth between a feature film or a series at the moment we're hovering out around a series that looks like the most um likely to happen um but yeah Bad Jelly's a a property that funnily enough isn't one of Spike Milligan's um, most widely known pieces yeah yeah, but in New Zealand it became massive so Bad Jelly the Witch was a piece of audio that uh, Spike basically recorded for his grandkids it was a story he used to tell them about this witch and uh, these two kids Tim and Rose uh, going off to look for their lost cow and coming across this evil witch who eats children and yeah it was a very classic uh, story And, and in New Zealand that audio, that 20-minute audio play, basically played every Sunday morning for years. And then it got optioned as a play, and then it was the most toured play in New Zealand history. The audio still gets downloaded. So, yeah, New Zealand just had a real affinity for this, mm. for this um, piece of work. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until one day Alex kind of reminded us about Bad Jelly, and we were like, yeah, that would be real. We've never seen the definitive animated version of that. And then uh, Alex was on YouTube looking at the old, and old, uh, at the audio. Yeah,
2: someone had uploaded it to YouTube. Done it to some and images.
1: And all the comments were from Kiwis. And it started yeah, it to become just, very obvious that this thing was important
2: to you. Endless, Zealand. endless comments from Kiwis. Like, this is it my like, childhood. This means so much. Like, I love this. Yeah. You know, And I was like, well, you oh, thought shit, it was just us. a big deal <laughs> down here. You know? So yeah, it made
1: sense to us that this was, if we were going to do something with uh, someone else's IP... Uh, that this is the one, you know, because it's instantly, you know, you've got the name Spike Milligan in the UK and and beyond, um, and then Bad Jelly New Zealand. So you know, looking at co-productions and options there is is quite exciting at the moment. Um, it's a whole new world for us, you know. We've really done that sort of a co-production sort of thing. Looking to studios like um, Cartoon Saloon in Ireland. Yes, you know they they've been a the support that they've got from the from the irish government has kind of allowed them to spend time perfecting their skills you know and they've they've just got to a level that i think we could achieve if given the right amount of time and money mm-hmm. you know it's it's a case it's always been like fast and cheap has been what we've had to do here you know luckily we have we have a um, sort of a level of quality control here where even though we do it fast and cheap, it's still going to be good. Um, but yeah, so something like bad jelly means we could kind of really, really spend time on making something great, mm-hmm. epic, you know, and, and, um, and upskill everyone at the studio as well, you know? Um, yeah. The, the island is definitely, uh, they have a model, worth, yeah. worth looking at for New Zealand, you know, a very comparable size wise, um, population and yeah, I dunno,
0: it might be a bit of a chicken in the egg kind of thing, but is it the school, is it a, a, to do with schools and having talent coming enough talent coming through to sustain yeah. a studio, especially I, I guess now at a time when the New Zealand border is close to non Kiwis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's definitely been a big part of it, you know, a lot of Kiwi, uh, animation students don't have a place to go and get work experience once they leave you know so it's kind of like i've learned what
2: i've learned on my course and now what do i do with it plus um, the schools are at a at a standard where and this is the same around the world i think uh, it's a problem where um, a lot of these institutions hire ex-students with no industry experience and it just feeds back in so a lot of these kids like that when they you know, um, first got here, you know, a couple of years ago, we, we, we did a big hire off the out of schools and stuff and it was there was just a huge retraining period, like, you know, first just three months the, of the just was, was fundamentals yeah. of animation and I was kind of like, oh shit, what are they learning or not? Which,
1: but, you know, which is true for any job, you know, you, yeah. you think about doing like a mechanics course, like that, that person's not going to be good until they've got their hands in a car and they're actually for sure. doing it, Right
2: so yeah there's that kind of but the experience yeah. at the institutions you would hope Yeah, you'd is yeah. setting Your them works. up and I don't yeah. think that's happening no here. I don't think so no it's there's just no there's not been an industry here yeah.
1: to to funnel back you know like I've been in the industry for 30 years now yeah. I'm going to give back and
2: do a bit of a bit the tutoring
1: is just not happening one of really. the things we noticed
2: in our personal journey in our careers is that we were kind of paving this way making our own silly shit for the internet or for ourselves or doing a music video here and you know we were but mostly just learning how to make cartoons because that's what we loved and that's what we grew up watching and that's what we wanted to make now that we were kind of um had our sort of mitts on it but um looking around there was no one else really doing that down here you know other studios are sort of doing a lot of ad work and um the odd service gig here and there but no one was just kind of pushing their own stuff or making silly, fun things. And, you know, um, it's, yeah, we kind of found that ourselves to entertain, right? Like yeah. we wanted to make stuff that was entertaining. Yeah. Um, and comedy is a huge you know, part of it, you know. Not to say so we didn't passionate. want to make anything that wasn't deep,
1: you know, everything we made had a level of heart to it, but it was just like, I want to make people laugh and I want to mm-hmm. make, you know, I want to make the stuff that entertained me as a kid. And <laughs> I think that's okay. And that can be your goal, mm-hmm. you know, um, as, we've, as we've grown, you know, it's, we want to tell stories that have an emotional impact and we want to, you know, yeah. have characters that have flaws and stuff, all that comes with um, time and, you know, when you kind of, once you're good at it, you can start seeing what what might be lacking and, yeah, but, um, you yeah, know, it's definitely been hard to uh, staff up, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but um, yeah, the crew we met, we've we've got now have all done an amazing job, and it's been very cool to see over the last three years how quickly they've grown. Um, you yeah. know, COVID aside. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> well, I suppose you have. There is um, there are examples of, Kiwi exports in entertainment that that oh, yeah. clearly yeah. travel. Yeah. Oh, big times. So there is, yeah, you know
2: that. Um, and you one in, of our first trips to America, um, two thousand five um we were walking down Melrose ave and every couple hundred meters was a giant billboard for flight of the concords and we were just like wow, wow you guys planet. did it we were so stoked it was kind of it felt like yeah it was just one of those moments like if they can do it we can do it because yeah. that's what we were there to do pitch ourselves and pitch our ideas um because yeah, we've been in 2005 and it was peter jackson peter jackson It was
1: like oh this is awesome this is opening up all the doors and in 2007, I think, or whatever, whatever year was, it was Concord's, And it was like Concord's was just opening the doors and every conversation was about them. And then when we went back uh, in 2019, um, it was Taika, Taika, Taika. You know, he, it was again, there's always that one.
2: Yeah, and each of these, each of these um, people that are breaking through, these Kiwis, are taking their Kiwiness with them. Yeah. you know they're not hiding it I mean he uh, you know Taika put a Kiwi character in the Marvel universe for the first time you know um it's it, it feels like there's something happening where um our voice and our sense of humour and, and our culture our, and co- yeah, yeah is travelling and, and it's through these key players but we do feel like there is a sensibility there that is shared um you know yeah. particularly comedic um so yeah, we're we're just really excited about the future of of what these yeah those known people are doing now to the rest of sort of the industry um, and and our voices. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's yeah it's it's exciting. Yeah, it's very cool.
0: And it's interesting because I think what I've noticed since being here that there is a kind of part of the Kiwi personality that isn't you. There's it's not really. Um, look favorably upon to kind of big yourselves up very much oh, it's very no, no. yeah, like humble, humble 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 oh. kind of yeah to so, so a
2: point where it's like it's a little stop bit stop fucking yeah. pretending so it's how yeah bit. conflating that with
0: Bec- exports and well that's because yeah,
2: that's a big um i don't know if brits are you probably are familiar with tall poppy syndrome yeah yes so that's a big part of <laughs> the new zealand culture is yeah. whenever someone gets big and particularly in america yeah. um playing with the big boys the yanks <laughs> um, it's it, there's there's a point where, you know, so Taika can get nominated for an Oscar and it's go Kiwi, but then he says something about whether it's his experience as a Maori, uh, a brown kid growing up in New Zealand or whatever, and it's like, whoa, ho, hold on, you're shitting on it? Do you remember where you came from, you know? Yeah. But his journey to be a successful artist, often the struggle of that didn't involve like it was his buddy hard work that got him there It wasn't the systems down here or the people no. you know there wasn't there isn't a lot of support for that but once you break um through it's such a weird um to, and it it's you why know,
1: celebrities can come here and kind of walk around pretty un um <laughs> they're not accosted by people because <laughs> kiwis are very like don't give them what they want <laughs> <laughs> you know and also weird like pretty low-key for yeah. the most part. So, I don't, you Somewhat know, we're not sorry. very... It's why, like, um, this is a weird example, but it's why, like, talk shows and game shows and stuff never really take off here because Kiwis don't have that level of uh, enthusiasm <laughs> to put on screen. You know, you watch an American game show and it's like, yeah, screaming. is like, whoa, and New Zealand game shows are just like, oh, yeah. You know, they stopped airing the, win- uh, the lotto spin Bin, spinning wheel we used to have this <laughs> spinning wheel where someone went on and they got to spun it to see what they'd win and could win a million bucks and it was the most Kiwi thing ever you'd see someone spin up $500,000 and the guy would go like oh yeah that'll do <laughs> it's like come on man half a million <laughs> yeah that, that's pretty life changing but yeah it's um yeah it's a very Kiwi thing but yeah, yeah. it's uh don't, don't be yeah get too big for your boots has been a and it makes it really hard because then we go to America to pitch, and we're super low key when we're doing the pitch. And I become very aware of like, are they used to a song and dance here? Do they want to see a performance? Because mm-hmm. we don't—we're not giving that. But I hope on the flip—you know—flip side, they're also it's refreshing that we're not, you know, ego-driven. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I
2: don't know. It's
1: yeah, we've done a weird number on ourselves down here.
2: It's it's a juggle, <laughs> yeah. Particularly, yeah yeah when you're working in entertainment and content creation and trying to get eyeballs on your stuff it's you know you we we are very proud of what we've been able to achieve not only the three of us as leaders of this company but the the whole team you know and 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 we're so proud of the work um we're making stuff um particularly in the last five years that Nobody else has made in this country. Yeah. And we're still flying under the radar. Yeah. Um, really hard to get people to um, check our stuff out. It's, it, it's so <laughs> it's Kiwi, uh, uh, you know, the networks don't help uh, heaps with promotion. And it's, yeah, it's a weird, yeah. We got our, <laughs> the funny thing is we got our break on a TV show when TV's dying. <laughs> So it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It's, been, it's, it's been an
0: interesting journey. Ryan Cooper and Alex Layton. Harry Sinclair is a New Zealand film director, writer and actor who has worked across theatre, TV and film in a long career, which has included a small but crucial role in the first Lord of the Rings movie. Now Together with his former creative partner in musical theatrical duo The Front Lawn, Don McGlashan, the pair are remotely writing new episodes of their charming preschool series Kiri and Lou*, a co-production between TVNZ and CBC in Canada, produced by Fiona Copeland, which has been sold to international broadcasters such as CBeebies by Cake in the UK. I caught up with Harry, who splits his time between LA and New Zealand, over Zoom to chat about wanting to create an antidote to what he calls intense and aggressive kids' TV, as well as working with Kiwi talent such as Jermaine Clement from The Flight of the Concords, who voices Lou in the show. I began by asking Harry what first drew him to working in kids' TV. Well, I
3: think my biggest inspiration, or the thing that really turned me towards wanting to do a show for kids, was having a kid. I have a daughter, and yeah, just watching her, playing with her... Living with her was a big inspiration to me, and also thinking about what kinds of things she might like to watch.
0: And what was your view of children's TV? Obviously, you would have watched it when you were younger, but then when you're an adult, you know it's not on your radar. So when you came back to it, kind of seeing what your daughter was watching, how did uh, how did it compare? The culture of
3: of children's TV is, for me, a lot of it feels very uh, intense and aggressive, and and I suppose I you know, some, you know, it's a, a lot of fun, but I feel that I was interested in, in making something that was was, was uh, particularly calm and relaxing and uh, and gentle. So that that's the thing I, I was aware of. So I suppose in a way, you know, from when I was a kid, I feel that, yeah, kids TV is now, a lot of it is, is sort of at a sort of a fever pitch of excitement. And uh, I wanted to, Yeah, I I like the idea of doing something that was gentle and kind and and sweet, really.
0: Yeah, I've heard Kiri and Lou described as an antidote to whiz-bang kids' TV. And it is very meditative and calm and gentle. Um, But take me through the premise of the show for those who haven't seen it.
3: Kiri and Lou is about uh, two friends. And these two friends are prehistoric creatures, totally imaginary creatures. who live in an imaginary prehistoric forest so yeah ostensibly it's prehistoric but basically it's just filled with all these creatures that we invent and um uh, basically the central characters are kids they talk like human beings and they live lives a bit like human beings and they so it's a kind of a magical world of the forest that they live in which has been very you know I, I've always loved in New Zealand the, the 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 forest or as we call it the bush is just a very beautiful and meditative place to be. And I, and I loved the idea that um, capturing that mood of the forest in a show, I wanted to do a show that is, is a lot about the emotions of, of childhood. And that was one of the things that I really noticed about uh, watching my daughter grow up was um, how, how, how she copes with different emotional experiences. And so a lot of, one of the sort of, um, the themes of Kiri and Lou is, is, is the emotions of, of childhood and things like jealousy or being sad or all of these things and try to, in a sort of fun and non-preachy and hopefully unpretentious way, uh, you know, Kiri and Lou talks about emotions. So that's, yeah, that's at the heart of it. Yeah, we, we are getting a lot of feedback that, you know, how the kindness and, and gentleness of Kiri and Lou is, is meaning a lot to people at the moment. So, I mean, that's
0: very fulfilling for us. And music is a big element of it as well. There's a there's a song in each episode, and that has its roots in kind of your beginnings in in terms of entertainment, going back to so the front lawn, the duo you were in with with your partner on the show.
3: Yeah, so Don McGlashan and I, back in the mid '80s, uh, did this thing called the Front Lawn, which was him and him and the two of us on stage singing songs and telling stories. And uh, one of the wonderful things about Kerry and Lou was that we have. Got back together as a sort of a as a writing partnership, and uh, we write the songs that are in the episodes, and yeah, they, they um, carry a lot of the emotion of the stories, and yeah, Don also does the score for each episode, but yeah, so mu- yeah, music is a big thing, and each episode, yeah, is kind of the often the story of the episode is kind of focused by a song, which I think's just a, a very beautiful way to to sort of support a story. Yeah, so I, it's a yeah,
0: it's a big big aspect of Korean Lo Lou for sure and what's your perspective having one foot in New Zealand and one foot in LA in terms of Kiwi content traveling the world obviously there's a, a great tradition of of that whether it's going back to the front lawn then more recently Flight of the Concorde so I think did they describe you and Don as their uh, their kind of comedy uncles at one point
3: um, yes they yeah they've they've always uh, mentioned us as one of their inspirations the flight of the concords so yeah they I mean they're just wonderful wonderful um show that they've everything they do has been so beautiful and now we work with Jermaine Clement what who's you know in the flight of the concords and so yeah we have a we have a sort of a deep connection there in terms of like life in Los Angeles at the moment you know it's, the show is completely New Zealand in tone there's not, absolutely nothing about uh, nothing about Los Angeles um, uh, sneaks into the show except for the fact that uh, I suppose being away from my home country how much I appreciate it and and how uh, you know how I miss the New Zealand forest and that kind of thing that's a, that's a sort of homesickness uh, I suppose um, in, in it but yeah it's it's entirely
0: about and, and celebrating life in a in new, very New Zealand way. And I was speaking to some Auckland uh, animation producers recently and they were Telling me about the kind of challenge of being New Zealand and Kiwi and it being kind of part of the culture, not to kind of shout too much about yourself, but then that kind of uh, having, having to, um, to marry that with the, the realities of making entertainment and also exporting it internationally, which is that you have to really shout about it and, and obviously pitching and the whole US enthusiasm that, that is necessary to get shows made is i, I feel like yeah—it seems to be a bit of a challenge for Kiwis. Is that something you—you've uh, observed as well?
3: Um, yeah, we're sort of—we're brought up to to think that um, we, we shouldn't make a big deal of, out of our successes, or or and people who do are just you know very embarrassing. And um, so, you're yeah, living in LA for a while, you don't you you lose that because you know one of the things I like about the states is people you know if you're successful, your friends really celebrate your success and and are very encouraging. Whereas New Zealand, I suppose because it's a small country and has a kind of at times lacks confidence in its own culture, we tend to be very um hard on on people who, who stick their heads up and try to do something different or who or or even succeed a lot. You know, sometimes we're quite hard on, on on our successful artists in New Zealand. But I mean not, you know, I don't I don't experience that with Kerry and Lou myself, but I know that's a big yeah, big thing that many people speak of.
0: At this moment in time, there's a huge opportunity for New Zealand, both in the sense of making its own content, but also attracting other productions here, something that was already happening prior to the pandemic. But given how well it's handled the pandemic, that seems to be increasing. Do you feel like, yeah, this is an opportunity for New Zealand?
3: Yeah, well, absolutely. It seems like um, New Zealand has just become this kind of... um, extremely well governed and <laughs> place in the on the planet and very very fortunate in it in so many ways and so people are you're certainly trying to do th- things in New Zealand which I think is great you know it's great for New Zealand and um yeah it's 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 a very exciting time in terms of the, what you know culturally you know film and tv culture the things that are
0: getting made the things that can be made so i think it's great Obviously, being in the States, that's a, it's kind of the opposite situation to New Zealand at the moment. So how has it impacted your day-to-day and also your creative kind of routine?
3: Because I was already, you know, when I'm in LA, I was already for the last few years just working solely on Kiri and Lou. Um, that hasn't changed at all. You know, I just got, you know, I walk in the hills near my house that, you know, I have all, almost all the ideas come to me when I'm strolling in the hills and Los Angeles has lots of beautiful hills to walk on. And so I still, I'm just working online or, um, uh, you know, in touch with the animators or writing the episodes or um, uh, I edit the audio for the episodes. So I'm just at home working in the same way that I have done for the last four years. So it hasn't really been been a big change. And then going to New Zealand, of course, is much harder because now I have to, you know, if you go to New Zealand, as you know, you have to go into quarantine, a very strict quarantine for two weeks. Uh, every time you go and it's now very hard to even to fly to New Zealand at all because the quarantine spaces are all filled up so just logistically it's yeah it's 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 very complicated but in terms of making the show it re- really yeah um, amazingly uh, uh, and nothing has really changed um, so it's been it's been a very fortunate production and that you know we're able to just keep keep making the show and 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 for the yeah and and it's just, it's uh, while so many people are having an incredibly difficult time, you know uh, we're actually succeeding, which is a, you know it's it's a strange moment in which to be doing really well with a show, but yeah we're, it's, we're, we're excited.
0: What we haven't mentioned is the way it's animated. So that's all stop motion animation done in Christchurch in New Zealand.
3: Yes, so, so our our animation director is Ant Elworthy, who's just absolutely brilliant. At what he does, and he he um he has a team of animators in Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand, and they the show is made in a very old-fashioned way, claymation. Every single frame crafted to suit that that moment in the character's story. So it's yeah, it's, it feels very special. And I you know I didn't really understand um, much about animation when we started. This is my first animated project, but I've come to really appreciate how the animators are the performers. We have the actors' voices are, are performers, but also the animators are performers because you know they are creating each shot bespoke for this moment. And I think that's very special. It's not like we you know we don't have a catalogue of, okay, now here, let's get one of Kerry's happy reaction number seven. We don't we don't do that. We get the specific happy reaction for that moment, which I think gives it a kind of gives the shows a, a, a nuanced, a nuanced feeling a sort of a very delicate quality that, yeah, makes it all worthwhile to me. It's, you know, it's obviously a huge amount of work to do it in claymation, but I think it's, the result is, you know,
0: what is worth it. Harry Sinclair. That's all for this episode. There'll be more from the podcast soon, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online, on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening.